0: Welcome to the Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. Welcome everybody to our Bible class for this morning. 12, that's not bad. Yep, 12 with the theme. Y'all are the apostles of St. Peter's, I guess. (laughs) Um, Before we begin, let's open up with a word of prayer. Lord God, you have caused all the Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning. May we so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by the patience and comfort offered by your Holy Word, we may embrace and never hold fast. To the blessed hope of eternal life, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, <clears throat> so we're doing uh, Luke chapter 6, verses 12 to 26. Um, there are mm, verses 12 to 16 are, are, are Jesus choosing the uh, apostles. And then he comes. He comes down, and he does the the Sermon on the Plain, as it's sometimes called. Um, the Matthew version is more famous. It's called the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. This one is shorter. It's got a bit of. It's got a little bit of different material. Um, Sorry, are they two different events? I think so. Because one's on a mountain, one's on a plane. Yeah, Um, but they're very similar. But they're very similar. Why would they be similar? Same message. Same message. Do preachers preach the same message to different crowds? Absolutely. And that explains why they're slightly different, right? But but still basically the same content, right? So we can see that Jesus thought smarter, not worked um, smarter, not harder, and he had a message, and he probably preached the same message to different towns. And uh, how much you want to bet that by doing preaching the same message and those disciples hearing that same sermon, how many times do you think that would have helped them remember it later to write it down? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so and we um, need to hear things more than once to remember. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We absolutely do. Um, so um, we we keep we keep hearing about. God's law and what we're not supposed to do and what we're supposed to do, we keep not getting the message. And so we need to keep hearing it. <laughs> That's right. Um, so we've got, uh, and, and then it starts the sermon on the, on the plane. Um, and so uh, we'll get the, the intro to it today. Uh, uh, and next week we'll keep going with, with the sermon on the plane. So I'm going to read it here. I'll read it out of uh, the Lexham English Bible. Um, Follow along in your ESV or RSV, whatever you might have. Um, And we'll start at verse 12. Now it happened that in these days he went away to the mountain to pray and was spending the whole night in prayer to God. And when day came, he summoned his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he also named apostles, Simon, whom he also named Peter, and his brother Andrew, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And he came down with them, and stood on a level place, and a large crowd of his disciples, and a great multitude of people from all all of Judea and Jerusalem, and the seacoast district of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him, and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled by unclean spirits were cured." And the whole crowd was seeking to touch him, because power was going out from him and healing them all. And he lifted up his eyes to his disciples and said, Blessed are the poor, because yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who are hungry now, because you will be satisfied. Blessed are those who weep now, because you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for their fathers used to do the same things to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, because you have received your comfort. Woe to you who are satisfied now, because you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, because you will mourn and weep woe, woe whenever all people speak well of you for their fathers used to do the same things to the false prophets any thoughts on the on the translation before we move on to the questions okay Yep, the Beatitudes, yep. Matthew has more Beatitudes. We have four and four. Four Beatitudes, four woes in Luke's version. Woe, a woe being the opposite of a Beatitude. <laughs> so um, one of our questions will we'll, um, we'll deal with that. Um, okay. When it, what com- comes into your mind when you hear the word Disciple. Does that word carry a positive or negative connotation in our culture today? We'll start with those two. What do you think of when you think of the word disciple? Follower or de- devotee. Devotee, okay, yeah. Anything else come to your mind? A student. Yeah. A student, yeah. That's what Jesus called. Follower, devotee, student. Do you think there's a positive or negative connotation in our culture for a disciple? From my perspective, it can be negative if a Christian is a disciple of a cult leader. Right. Yeah, well, I, I, th- I would tend to think it's mostly negative. People think of disciple; you think of a blind follower, kind of. That's the kind of connotation that it's getting received. Right. Do you think many Christians today see their faith in Jesus as involving discipleship? (laughs) It's hard in this world to share it because people don't want to hear it. Right. And discipleship is more than, than sharing the faith. Discipleship involves being a student of Jesus. It means following him where he goes. It means learning from him. And a lot of people, would you agree that a lot of people don't want to do that? They don't want to come to church on Sunday or Christmas and Easter only, right? They'll it, say they will leave. Right. That's as far as it goes. Yeah. Being a disciple, that means I've got to do something. Yeah. Does the word discipline not come from the word disciple? Absolutely it does. If yep. You're living the faith if you're a disciple. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah, and that's going to involve discipline. Some of us might be closer to discipleship than others. <laughs> well, we, discipleship looks different for each person, right? Um, but there's, there's, a, there's discipline there, which, which is important to, to note. Um, okay. Well, that's kind of a break the ice kind of question to get us thinking about discipleship as we as we get in, um, if you want to read a good book, the the book on discipleship, it's by a Lutheran, nominally Lutheran, I suppose. Some people would argue that he's not Lutheran. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. How many of you heard of him before? Some of you have heard of him. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a a, a pastor in Germany, nominally Lutheran, um, who um, first they came for the Jews. Is that the guy? Then they came for. I'm not but sure. He wasn't a Jew, so well, me? yeah. He he um, actively took part in the resistance against Hitler um, and attempted to to kill him because uh, because he felt that uh, he felt that it was his Christian duty to try to kill this guy, um, and um, he died uh, in the, he was put in the concentration camp and he died a few. He was executed a few months or weeks before that that camp was liberated. Uh, But he's got a book called The Cost of Discipleship, um, which is a classic of Christian literature. Um, So if you ever want to read something about discipleship, that's where he gets the famous phrase, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. (laughs) Um, So his book on uh, the cost of discipleship is against what he called cheap grace, (laughs) Um, So anyway, that's something to think about. All right, question two. Every Jew knew that Israel originally had 12 tribes. In chapter 6, verses 12 to 16, then, what was Jesus implying by choosing 12 disciples to be with him and to do ministry with him? to do right yeah. one, to so to represent represent one to represent is each one to represent each correct was there one from each because there's brothers here so so much. no they're not one from each tribe no. no by this time there are no there are no 12 like re- historically the 12 tribes are gone yeah they descended off to well groups. yeah there's only one tribe left and it's the tribe of Judah Jude. because they're called the Jews. Jews, they're only from one tribe, maybe two. There might be some people from Benjamin, because the Benjamin was down there. You, you, there's the Jews today are a lot more likely descended from the tribe, the three tribes of most of them are going to be from the tribe of Judah. Uh, you're going to have some who are probably descended from Benjamin and and Le, Levi, because the priest there were priests down south. Right? The other nine, the other nine broke away. Remember, after, oh, uh, Solomon's yeah. son, they broke yeah. away. And they went. They were the northern tribes, and they worshipped Baal okay. for three hundred years. And then God sent the Assyrians and wiped them out, all of so, them. Um, they were interbred with the, They were interbred with Gentiles, and they became the Samaritans, of which there are two thousand left in in Israel. So the, the northern ten tribes became the Samaritans, uh, the ones that weren't exiled in gone so the, the, those tribes are gone so that, that's maybe important background to what's going on here um, God promised promised in the Old Testament that he would gather the 12 tribes from from the world so why did Jesus choose 12 disciples would it make a connection to the Old Testament it makes a connection to the Old Testament. What's he trying to? What's the point he's he trying fulfilled to fulfill the law? He's fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled the law, right? They're for all of Israel. They're for all of Israel. The entirety of it. What, um, what is he saying? He's doing then. Um, restoring God's name. There, you, restoring God's. Restoring what? Not God's kingdom. You're close. Very close. What is he restoring? Think about the number 12. He's restoring Israel. Right? He's restoring Israel. This was the promise that, um, the promise in the Old Testament was that the Messiah would come and restore Israel. And the Jews understood that to mean the actual twelve tribes, and Jesus comes and picks 12, 12 apostles, whom he later says um, that he will um, give them twelve thrones, um, and they will judge the twelve tribes of Israel. Right. So, um, so he chose. To, he um, he was picking. Um, he was picking the new Israel, the replacement Israel, the um, the starting point of the of what God is going to do next. Um, um, in Revelation, um, what are the names on the twelve gates entering into the? I think it's the twelve gates. I think it's the gates. But anyway, the names of the twelve apostles are on the and the twelve are on the gates that go into uh, into the New Jerusalem. Why are there twenty four elders? Well, there's twelve tribes and there's twelve apostles, right? So this number twelve pops up a lot. Um, but that's what he's doing. He's he's um, if this is the new Israel being. Um, being established. Does that make sense? Um, He's fulfilling the scriptures and it's in a way that nobody expects it, right? Um, What does he, just another question, what does he do before he makes this decision? He prays, right? He goes up and spends how long in prayer? The whole night. You think we should be praying before we make major decisions in life? <laughs> yeah, it's just a, a nice little, um, sub point there. Um, okay. Yeah, so, um, a, a quote on that. Um, through the 12 apostles, Jesus is regathering the 12 tribes of Israel in fulfillment of Israel's hope of restoration. Um, What encourages you about the kinds of men whom Jesus calls to be his disciples, namely humble fishermen, political zealots, and tax-collecting sinners? how does this serve to remind you of your own sin weakness and need as well as the rich mercy and grace of God that God has shown to you in Christ God is able to work through us all no matter how frail and how many flaws we have did you ever consider that that before that this is such a a ragtag group of people that you know when you look at it why did they fight amongst themselves all the time <laughs> because they're just they're pulled from every walk of life you've got a political zealot now you guys know what the, the the zealots were they were the people who who thought that um the only way to get get Rome out was to pick up a sword and armed resistance uh, we'd call them terrorists mm-hmm. so this guy is is either a terrorist or a terrorist sympathizer right um, that's where he, that's where, that, that's what Rome would call him, right? These guys are, you know, the best thing to do is to 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 do that. So, um, and uh, a lot of the commentaries tried to spend the time to um, match up the, the the different lists of names of the apostles. Um, I didn't realize there were two Judas. Yeah, the other Judas um, is called in Matthew and Mark Thaddeus. Judas, the son of James, is called Thaddeus in Matthew and Mark. That's oh, why. That. Matthew is also known as Levi. Yeah, this two names stuff. <laughs> the two names, yes. It's, um, yeah, Matthew is also known as Levi. Um, yep, yeah, yeah, Simon. Um, uh, Nathaniel and Bartholomew are the same person. Um, I think that's it. Um, We got some family connections there too. Yes. Do we have a father son team? No. the son of James? Which James? Yeah, which James? Um, there, there doesn't just James. James. There is no James. That's I don't. It's always Jacob. There, the, the, I don't know where in English we started translating Jacob, Jacob as James, but it's Jacob's. And of course, it's gonna, there's going to be tons of kids named Jacob in that world, because who's Jacob? He's Israel. He's the founder of Israel. Jacob, right? So, uh, so James is the Anglicized version of Jacob. Yeah well, How come in the Old Testament you get Jacob? Because it's in a different language, I don't know. I have no idea why. Why we, we in the New Testament we have James instead of Jacob? But if you look at the Greek, it says Jacob. So James of Jerusalem is actually Jacob of Jerusalem. Yeah, his Hebrew name is is Jacob. Um, so I don't know why. I don't know where in, in English the tradition of translating the Greek version of J- uh, Jacob as James comes in. But um, James and John are sons of Zebedee. Um, I think Andrew and Peter are brothers. I think James and John are somehow cousins to Jesus. And I forget, uh, um, there, there is some, there is some famil- familial connection loosely to Jesus. And I forget how we determine that, but I've heard that many times. All right, so you've got those that group of people. Any other comments about what this says and about how this applies to you? Basically, you don't need saint to be a disciple. Right. But being a disciple can make you a saint. That's, that's that's right. Yep, I like it. That's that's a very good way to put it. Absolutely. That's right. We'll be quoting you for centuries. That's right. Yeah, and, and um, it shows you that Jesus is not not picking the people whom the world would expect him to, right? Um, and so that. And John the, John was always referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? In, in his own gospel, that's what he calls himself. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> in his own gospel. Oh, okay. It wasn't so. it Peter his favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Peter is is Peter is the leader of he's, them. Yeah. He's always first. He's he always spe- he's one always one. speaks first. He's always he's. He's for, yeah, He's yeah. He's a colorful disciple. He's very impetuous, very um, seat of his pants. That's why Jesus calls him Petros, which means little rock. If I was to translate it um, loosely, I would call him. Jesus calls him Rocky. <laughs> right? Hey, Rocky. You just you know that that tells you a little bit of his personality. At least that's how I understand it. Um, I could be off on that, but I think it makes it makes sense. Like he, he, Jesus, I bet you, uh, Jesus gives them nicknames. He calls James and John the Sons of Thunder. <laughs> you know, because, so Jesus has a bit of a sense of humor, and I think it can show in his his, his nicknames for people. Yeah, now wasn't James though the leader or the chairman of the Jerusalem Council? Yes. Yep. Uh, so Peter Peter was the leader of the twelve, but he he. Um he doesn't become the leader of the early church. It's 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 James who, who kind of does. James, Jesus' brother though? Um one of the James is a cousin of Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Um James, James uh the 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 Jews use the word brother far looser than we do. Mm-hmm. Um and James and uh James and what's his name? There's another one. There, Jesus is listed as having four brothers. Two of them are explicitly li- mentioned that they're from a different Mary, so they're probably cousins. Um, Lot, who's Abraham's nephew, is always called his brother. Um, so the Jews are a little bit looser in that term "brother" than we than we are. Um, so we're we're not quite sure. What the relation is, but we know that because it's brother, he's family of Jesus, likely raised in the same house, um, kind of thing, at the very least. Um, there's there's the tradition that um, Joseph was was older than Mary, and he had sons from he was a widower, and he had sons from a from a different marriage, and so they were Jesus' half brothers. Um, there's a tra- other tradition that they're cousins. So those are the two big. Uh, three big, there's, there's, and there's the, the, the third option that they're his full-blood brothers, uh, children of Joseph and Mary. Those are the three options. Um, yeah, so. The handbook doesn't tell us for sure. No. Luther, Luther, um, Luther uh, th- thought that they were not his his blood brothers, and, and neither did anybody after the year 300 and before 1500. Uh, before 1600, um, all the reformers, John, uh, including Calvin, and, and all the they all looked at the evidence and said, "No, it, he, they're not his full blood brothers." But that's more popular nowadays than it was back then. So, who cares? He called everybody brothers, though. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, our, our confessions even yeah. teach the perpetual virginity of Mary. Yes, yeah, the Lutheran confessions um, cl- um, do say that Mary remained a virgin. Um, but they don't, but it's a controversial idea. All right. We're way off in the weeds. <laughs> all right. So we, we talked about how the choice of these humble men of varying backgrounds says, speaks a lot to us. And I think it tells you a lot of, of the church too. The church is drawn together from all walks of life, right? Okay. Question four. How do Luke 6, 13, and 17 indicate that Luke is using the word disciple to represent a larger group than the 12 apostles? Start there. Well, it mentions that Jesus chose the apostles from the disciples. Right. So obviously there's quite a group of followers. Yeah. It says in the notes at least 72 men were included. Yes. Yes. Yeah, because he sends those out later. Mm-hmm. And by the time, by, by the first Easter, there are a hundred and... Uh, Pentecost? By a Pentecost. Well, twelve couldn't do it by themselves. No. Makes sense. No. So this is like draft day. Draft day. 18. That's right. The, and there's a, there's, a, there's a team... There's a... There's a and there's the, the, the team... Um, there's a, another draft pick, and that's Peter, James, and John get to go with Jesus uh, on special... Trips, because uh, they all and, and they all take positions of leadership in the early church that are very important. Peter in Rome, uh, James in Jerusalem, John in Ephesus. So um, there was method to Jesus' madness. Um, but in some, in um, I think in the other two other Gospels, Matthew and, and Mark, disciple tends to be used only of. Sometimes the twelve. That's why this question's in there. To make you see that the word disciple, especially in Luke, does not refer to the twelve. It refers to a bigger group of people. Um, If the Sermon on the Plain represents Jesus' instructions for every disciple, and that would include us, what is the special mission for which he appoints the apostles? And that's in Mark chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. I'll read that now. Mark... Um, this is the parallel passage here. Mark 3:14 and 15 says, "And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, why so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons." All right? So what is the special huh, mission then of the 12? They are pretty. They're the clergy, right? They've been sent out to preach. Um, Great. Is it fair to draw the parallel that God has chosen us to be his disciples and you to be the apostle? Yes, yes. Though I'm not an apostle with a capital A, apostle simply means one who is sent. Um, And um, we... Yeah, we, we would teach that the the office of pastor that the that the um, the same office of keys that the apostles had is given to pastors today. Yeah, the public ministry. Yeah, the public ministry. Yep. That's why Peter later will say in his letter um, he'll call himself a fellow presbyter, a fellow elder, with the others, right? Um, so he, he, he doesn't consider his position as apostle as higher than an, that, that of an ordinary pastor uh, in some senses. Um, okay. Um, where are we? Uh, describe the crowd uh, that Luke says has amassed to hear Jesus and receive healing from him. Describe the crowd. Why did they come? Uh, what do you notice about the people who gather around him? Uh, so, what, They needed healing. They needed healing, Yep. Yeah, they were pretty hard done by in a lot of ways. Sure. Well, some were sick, some were healthy. Some yep. Are just curious onlookers. Yep, that's right. Somebody who's invented his enemies. Sure. And so they want, generally speaking, they want to hear, they, they've come for probably one of two reasons. Or both. To get healed. To or get healed to or, and? Or to hear. And to hear him. Right, And it's, some of them, is going to be both, correct? Um, what I find interesting is, and you keep using the word plane, and every time you say plane, I think price is on an aircraft talking to these people. <laughs> but he uh, did a lot of flying in the last two weeks. But, um, the idea of a plane, yep. he's with them. He's not above them. Yep. yeah. And you, he's one of them. Yeah, sure. And they're part of their, their group, right? There's, there's yep. no... Who has power and who doesn't? Here, they're all on the same playing field. So, um, in what ways does Jesus demonstrate his compassion, and what signs does he give to his identity, authority, and power? What's he, so? What's he do? One thing he doesn't do is distinguish between all the people that are in front of him. Sure. Other than picking up 12. Right. And so, but, and, and and he he, he heals them, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. And, and, but how does the way Luke describes he healed them, how does that tell us a little bit about who he is? He lifted up his eyes and said to them, but in verses, 18 and 19. Four. How does how does Jesus how is Jesus healing them? Just, just touch. Just touch. Yeah. yeah. Or if they or touch just, him, the power is coming from him. Right? That's right. They're almost radiating from where he doesn't even touch. Yep. Yeah. So what does that tell you about who he is? <laughs> yeah. He's he's God, right? He has that power coming out of him, right? This this is an important uh, point to tell you. Um, his identity, his authority, his power, these kinds of things. He's compassionate because we know he could have very easily just said, be healed. Yeah. Where he's actually touching the people. Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay. Question six. Here's the big question. Jesus begins his sermon contrasting two kinds of people. He discusses each in four parallel ways. First, who is blessed and why? The words that are poor I'm mm-hmm. not thinking of blessed. The weak. The weak. The disadvantaged are blessed. Weak in spirit. It isn't necessarily weak because they don't have any money. Mm-hmm. Or they're sick, it's because they're weak in faith. Weak in spirit. Disadvantaged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Disadvantage. Versus the privilege. Is it because of they are this, they know Jesus like he's Well, first let's do the let's do the four. What are they? There's, there's four. Who, there's four things that are blessed. What are they? The, the Poor, poor hungry, hungry the ones that weep, weep, and the ones that we, are hated. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and the one who's who are hated. That's right. So four. Why? Does Jesus mean to say that everybody who is poor is blessed, without exception? No. How do you know that? It's because on account of the Son of Man. Right. Who is he talking to explicitly in verse 20? He said, blessed are you. No, before work? that. Oh, before that. Before that. The sentence before that. There's your key. It's disciples. His disciples. Okay. Who's, so, remember that when he's speaking here. Blessed, he's speaking directly to his disciples. Not to the crowds in general. He's singled out those ones who are his disciples. And he says, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the hungry. What or blessed are you who weep? Now, with that in mind, why do you think... In what ways do you think he means? They're going to be in for some hard times. Right. Well, so is true. Is the 18 of disciples, the apostles? No, this father? is all of, them, all of them, including us. A life of a Christian isn't easy. Right. Uh, are people who. Is it easier for someone to trust God when they have a lot of stuff and everything's going well? Or when they have nothing and they're at the end of the rope. We we pray pray to God, God. We have nothing. Right. So, right. So that's that's likely what Jesus is getting at here. If if you have nothing, if you're poor and have nothing, you're more likely to, to pray and to trust in God. If you're um, so so follow that logic. What about um, those who are hungry and who weep? Why are those who weep um, happy now? Or blessed? He'll call them for comfort and he'll give to them. Yeah. That's right. And, and um, says our our reward is great in heaven Mm mm-hmm right and and when will they be when will they be blessed now or later maybe both now now later for sure later for sure Yeah. yeah but maybe both um it's yep. the difference between being of God and of the world. Mm-hmm. So the people of the world enjoy the gifts of the world now. The people of God will enjoy the gifts of eternity yep. in the future. Um, what about the woes? Who are the, What are the four woes here? The rich. The wealth rich. Um, the of food. Yep, yep. Uh, people who laugh. Yep and all who speak well of you right Just now, the, opposite of they're, they're, yeah, the so, yeah so yeah you you're you're seeing that they're the exact opposite um especially note that the um just because so in in the last woe and the last blessing just because people don't like you does not necessarily mean you're you're not um You're, you're on the right path. And just because you're well-spoken of doesn't, doesn't mean you're on the wrong path. But there's a general rule here, right? Um, is Christianity going to be popular in the world? No. no. Um, are our ways going to seem radical and, and strange? You betcha. All right, let's rush through these last... Um, Murray, can you... You have your small catechism there in your book. Can you look up the Lord's Prayer, uh, Thy Kingdom Come... I just want to, because these others talk about the kingdom, and I think the small catechism has a really good spot here on thy kingdom come in the uh, small catechism. Thy kingdom come, what does this mean? The kingdom of God certainly comes by itself without our prayer, but we pray in this petition that it may come to us also. How does God's kingdom come? God's kingdom comes when our Heavenly Father gives us His Holy Spirit. So that by His grace we believe His holy word and lead godly lives here in time and there in eternity. Yeah, I think oh, that really does a, an excellent job at, at summarizing some of some of what's what's here in in today's uh, today's lesson. Um. Um. Seven and eight, I think we're kind of out of time, unfortunately, but seven and eight kind of are trying to take this and apply it. Um, why is the kingdom of God given to disciples who are poor and rejected for Jesus' sake, while people who are rich and respected are in grave danger? What attitudes tempt rich the rich, uh, ...and respect the people of the world to lose the great blessing. They trust in themselves and their riches. Yep, they trust in themselves and their riches. That's the danger here. Um, you see that danger um, when warned, the, God warns the Israelites as they're about to enter the promised land. Remember, he says to them, now you're going to go into here... ...and you're going to inhabit cities you didn't build... ...and you're going to have vineyards you didn't build... ...and you're going to get fat and lazy... And then bad things are going to happen. And I'm warning you now <laughs> that that's what's going to happen, right? And that's, that's there. And that's a tendency of human nature to to, uh, to forget God when the going is good. Um, now, question eight. In order to make us fit to meet the demands of discipleship, Jesus gives us a new perspective on life in the kingdom. After reading the Beatitudes and the Woes, how would you summarize that new perspective that he, Jesus gives the world, right because the world says the opposite. The world says that the rich are blessed. if you're hungry, you're blessed. Jesus gives you the opposite. It's upside down.: When Jesus is part of your life, then that, you're blessed. That's right. in a nutshell, absolutely. I miss that. So it's not um, being rich. Or being having a full belly or having good times and being well spoken of that 's the real blessing. The real blessing is having jesus that's that's the real blessing uh, and that's upside down for the world right your life can be going to pot, but if you have jesus you're still you 're still blessed right um, and, and that's the that's a main message here, and that's how it 's upside down and and uh, That's where the the quote from the small catechism comes in. God's kingdom comes to you through his word. Uh, That's what makes you blessed, not necessarily uh, what's in your bank account or in your stomach. Elizabeth 12, 29 to 31. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for the nations of the world seek after these things. And your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Yeah, that's right. That's pretty much Everything you said. that's right exactly okay well let's pray um, and then we'll uh, go upstairs for worship Lord God Heavenly Father we thank you um, that through your son you have uh, blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ uh, we ask oh Lord that we would be um, ever mindful of the abundance that you have given us help us Lord not to um To forget you and our prosperity, but um, to remember the call of discipleship that you have placed on each of us, helping us to follow you wherever you you go, and this we ask in jesus christ's name. Amen you 've been listening to the church door. Thanks again for tuning in. if you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at RevFenn, R E V F E N -N, at iCloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.